All right, man. The big story this week is that the NFL have completely revamped their NFL COVID policy, making it a lot easier for these players to come back. They've cut the time for mandates down by 50% from a 10-day mandate to a 5-day mandate. Vaccinated players can come back even quicker than 5 days. They don't need to be asymptomatic to return. They only need to have their symptoms, quote-unquote, improved. What are your thoughts, man? This is uh, this is controversial, to say the least. I mean, is it controversial? I It's definitely controversial. Eh, they're they're, sw- they're, they're so. switching it up, man. They, like, that's my issue with it, is that they're switching up the rules halfway through i don't i don't like that part of it i mean we're 16 weeks through it's not halfway right and uh, i think it was a heavy favorite to happen explain the playoffs which is the money maker for the nfl are only two weeks away do you want star players like travis kelsey who else mike evans and whomever else may get it do you want them missing the games especially quarterbacks god forbid you know, let's say a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Lamar or whomever get COVID during playoff time. Do you want that happening? Absolutely not. So personally, I agree with the changes. Obviously, that comes from the CDC as well. They changed the quarantine days, you know, from 10 to 5. It's annoying that it happened this late into the season, especially as fantasy grinders and fantasy players and we've had to deal with you know our players being out because of covid and have had to deal with that the entire season and now basically everybody's going to be able to come back no matter what like they're going to put a little wet cloth on their head the trainer's going to feel their head make sure they're not you know sick and boom good to go yeah i mean that's the thing it's like we're putting the onus completely on players to be honest like bro hey who cares right the these or these are elite athletes in their prime. You know they'll be fine. I I don't I don't see a problem with the protocols personally. Um, actually, I tweeted tweet two weeks ago, basically what they implemented. So I, I like to think that I was on it first. Mm. I said, here's a solution to the NFL's COVID situation. You don't test vax players unless they show symptoms, and you test the unvax one time a week. It's pretty much what they're doing. And, and now you don't even have to test negative to come back. <laughs> You just have to say, oh, I'm feeling better. To me, it's like, dude, they, they were just like, fuck it. Like, we're done We're done playing these games. Like, everybody can play now. Doesn't matter that there were more players who tested positive in the month of December than all of last season. We're just done dealing with it. Everybody can play. Fuck it. I mean, yeah. Honestly, like... Is that not, like, what this policy is? <laughs> it is, but personal accountability if you're an nfl player and you're scared of getting covid then don't play you know they gave you a chance to opt out Mm. i I think they mentioned something about you know being able to opt out after this policy change or whatever i don't know but you know the risks that you're taking by being part of an nfl organization playing football especially with covid and it's been two years already like enough is enough Just let them fucking play. If they don't want to play because of it, then that's fine. You know, everybody has their own personal choice. But just play on. Play ball. If they get it, they get it. They sit out a couple days, come back, feel feeling better. Fuck it. I like that. That should be the new catchphrase of the NFL. Play ball. Fuck it. What's 
going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 192 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down week 17 in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective. Going to talk some slate specifics, what the Vegas Lions are telling us about the week. We'll discuss our cash core and, of course, leverage stacks and long shots, everything you need to know to have a good chance at banking a tournament this week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open and available. The link to join that is in the description to the podcast. And on that note, Joey, I just want to shout out everybody in our Discord who is sweating the best ball finale this week. We have a lot of people who have made the finals on various sites. DraftKings, Underdog. I'm in second place on Drafters. We got we got a decent sweat going for the community right now. I'm praying for some run good for all of our people. Yeah, we got... You sweating, uh, drafters, best ball tournament. We grinded those all off season, did a lot of streams. Would have been dope if uh, you drafted one of the, if you drafted that team on stream. I, I don't know if you did, probably not, but shout out to you for that. Shout out to uh, another member of our Discord who's in first and early only. And then we got a couple other members that have uh, some finals to the DraftKings best ball tournaments that they entered into so shout out to them and shout out to everybody that made the finals in in uh in best ball it's pretty fucking hard yeah to be honest it is hard and i I would like to think that some of the content that we put out this summer helped people get their mind straight helped put together some of these great teams and uh yeah somebody somebody from our discord channel is winning six figures i could feel it coming facts facts let's start off this week 17 breakdown with a look at some slate specifics from vegas this is a 14 game main slate biggest slate we've had in quite some time on draft kings nine games early five games in the afternoon we have one game this week with a total above 50 that is the arizona at dallas game top five implied team totals on the week buffalo at 29 and a half tampa bay 29.25 new england 28.75 28.75 and then San Francisco and Dallas splitting fourth and fifth with 28.5. Joey, what is standing out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? I think from a Vegas perspective, uh, we have a lot of projected high total games with the Cardinals versus Cowboys, which is the premier game of the slate. Everybody is going to be targeting that game. Then you got Colts and Raiders. Bengals Chiefs looks very good. Uh, the Atlanta Bills game has a pretty high total. So think it's going to be a uh, pretty good slate, uh, 14 games, and we got a lot of, you know, great offenses on this slate. So a lot, a lot of players to choose from and a lot of tournaments to be entered and uh, money won or lost this week. Mm, indeed. And, and transitioning over into our cash game core, usually we start with running back, but this week quarterback is the story. Somehow DraftKings managed to bless us with a dual threat quarterback in the nut matchup on a team with a top five implied team total priced at 4,800. I don't know how this happened, obviously partly due to injury, but we've got Trey Lance week in full effect at home against Houston, massive team total. I mean, he's a stone cold lock, right? Yeah, I don't think it gets much easier than locking in Trey Lance this week. There's really nobody else that you should be considering for cash uh, just for all of the reasons that you mentioned. He's 4,800 at home against Houston. Like, it's just a stone cold smash spot for 
a player that I think we could project to rush for 10 plus times like in his lone start this year he had 16 attempts 89 yards and he had a couple of red zone rushes as well in goal line carries I know he got stuffed at the one yard line against the Cardinals but against the Texans should be able to convert those pretty easily and the floor ceiling on Trey Lance is just super high for a player at 4,800 so don't need to really discuss anybody else for cash games if if you're a serious player you're playing Trey Lance this week yeah I I legitimately don't have anybody else listed on my list it's it's Trey Lance for cash and and move on which is what we're going to do here and move on to running back and running back on the other hand is loaded this week there are a ton of players in good spots Sony Michelle priced below 6k in the workhorse role with Daryl Henderson headed to IR we have Ronald Jones once again, priced up, but not priced up enough for the spot. 6,300 with the second highest implied team total is massive favorites against the Jets. I think that they are the two premier plays at running back this week. Yeah, Ronald Jones, like you said, great spot against a team that inflates fantasy points to opposing running backs. They are by far the worst rush defense in the NFL. They just get annihilated every single week. He's a standout play this week. Obviously, Keyshawn Vaughn is there and he did finish last week's game with like seven rush attempts so he did he was vulturing some of the running back opportunity in the backfield I don't think he's a factor much in the receiving game but you know Bruce Arians had some interesting comments about Keyshawn Vaughn earlier this week saying that he's a lead dog in the NFL and I know that Bruce Arians likes to cap so I'm not too worried about Ronald Jones what is what does Bruce Arians like more capping or hating Ronald Jones because that's an interesting dynamic he loves both of those things very much yeah yeah that is uh very true so maybe there's a little bit to be concerned about but Ronald Jones had 22 touches last week against the Panthers I would expect for him to get you know 18 to 22 touches again this week against the Jets so not overthinking it there Sony Michelle 5800 no Daryl Henderson Cam Akers could be back apparently I think that's probably asking a little too much of Cam Akers at this point, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But either way, I think Sony Michelle is going to be the workhorse no matter what if Cam Akers is active or not. Sony Michelle has looked really good. It is a difficult matchup like on paper as the Rams would just be better to throw the ball a ton against the Ravens and not run Sony Michelle but if they get up in this game there there's a good chance Sony's gonna see 20 plus touches at 5800 this week so yeah hasn't seen less than 18 since assuming the lead role averaging 22 and a quarter over the last four games and has had the ability to show it out in the passing game too, at least two games with four targets since he took over as the RB1 mm-hmm. in LA. Like, I'm not worried at all about Sony. I think that he's the first running back I would be playing in cash games. And then, I mean, there's still, it's it's loaded, dude. There's still a bunch of other good plays. Rashad Penny has really assumed the lead role in Seattle. He's priced at 6,100 in a good matchup at home against Detroit. David Montgomery, who's been a workload monster in a good spot at home against the Giants. We have the 49ers running backs. That situation is still unclear. Of course, Jonathan Taylor at home against the Raiders who are missing several linebackers who are likely or at least potentially going to be missing Carson Wentz. We'll have to see how that plays out with the new COVID protocols. But I mean, JT smash play at 9K. What are you thinking as far as the running backs outside of the Sony Rojo tier as far as, you know, an RB3 for cash? I think JT is above them, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I don't think he's a lock just because of his price. It's a great spot for him. Uh, like you mentioned, it's Jonathan Taylor, and you could pretty much lock up 20 points in your cash lineup by playing him. So that is definitely interesting. And this is a week where I, I think we have the salary to, to make it work. So JT is an elite play along with Rojo and Sony. And then some of the other guys that you mentioned, Rashad Penny looks really, really good this week, 6,100. I think he's just a cut below those three guys, just because I don't think Penny's going to be involved in the receiving game at all. But he's a home favored running back against one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL in the Detroit Lions so that is definitely interesting and then the Niners running backs look pretty solid too we know Eli Mitchell is a workhorse when he's healthy but obviously injury concerns knee concerns with him don't know if he's going to play so if Jeff Wilson does open up Jeff Wilson looks pretty solid as well at 5600 against a team that has given up the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs over the last month of the season in the Houston Texans and he would probably be pretty good leverage off of Trey Lance as well in GPP so definitely gonna have to wait and see on uh, that Niners backfield situation but all, yeah. all of these guys look like great plays agreed and I think that is about where my cash course stops there are several other running backs that I'm interested in but we can talk about that when we get to tournaments at wide receiver the story is very similar to last week I think that there are two standout plays two guys that we considered stone cold locks last week and are right in that same range again Cooper Cup 9500 the price keeps rising but the production matches it and he's in a great spot against the Ravens depleted secondary I, I don't think it gets much easier than locking up 20 to 25 points on the low end from Cooper Cup this week and Antonio Brown at 6100 is still underpriced without Chris Godwin going up against the Jets yeah so Cooper Cup Stonelock don't need to talk about him AB 6100 I, I I think he's just severely mispriced once again yeah you know no Chris Godwin Mike Evans is hurt and on the COVID list who knows if he plays and even if he does play you know they're playing the Jets and you have the contract incentive narrative now with Antonio Brown mm -hmm. which last year Brady did help AB hit his incentives uh, at the end of last season. Same situation for this year. So Brown can make over a million more dollars in his contract if he gets 11 more catches, 281 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Mm. If he reaches all three of those benchmarks, that would roughly equal about a million extra dollars. So you know Tom Brady is going to feed this man against the Jets. The Bucks will probably drop 45 points. Brady's going for his MVP. The MVP narrative has kind of uh, switched over to Rodgers once again. So Brady has to come out and show out against the Jets. It's a great matchup. And he has to feed his boy the ball so they can both eat. Makes total sense in the world. I think... I think he's one of the most mispriced players once again on the slate, even at 6,100. Yeah, I mean, he should be priced as Chris Godwin would be in the spot, and he is simply not. I mean, he's arguably somebody who should be, I mean, I think his a fair price for Brown in this specific spot would be like 7,500 not 6,100. Yeah. This is an egregious price tag on, on Antonio Brown. Dude doesn't play for 10 weeks, comes back and gets 15 targets. Like that's not going to change. Doesn't matter if the Bucks are blowing out the Jets. They're still going to be passing the ball. And yeah, like all the contract stuff, like you said, that's a narrative that I fully buy into. I think AB is getting those 11 catches at least this week. Yeah, facts. After that, 
the wide receiver pool is a little bit weaker there. I mean, there's a lot of guys that you could talk yourself into. None of them are quite standouts. I think Jalen Waddle is a really interesting play and it sort of would depend on roster construction. You're going to have to save salary at wide receiver if you're planning on going up to JT. But if you're simply planning to live in the mid range of running back, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you could play cup AB and Waddle and Cash. Waddle in a great spot against Tennessee and, you know, has just had double digit targets in each of the last three games he's played. Just an absolute reception machine, a PPR phenom. Yeah, Jalen Waddle is a great play this week uh, against Tennessee. One of the uh, more susceptible pass defenses in the NFL. And Waddle just gets peppered with targets. You know, granted, they're pretty low a dot targets but good thing DraftKings is a full ppr site and those eight to nine catches he's going to get every single week are pretty valuable so Jalen Waddle 6700 is a pretty standout play in my opinion and he's definitely cash viable but other than that I don't think like this tier of like AJ Keenan Chase Diggs I don't think you could go there and cash just with some of the guys that we have below him like AB Waddle Cup obviously is a pretty much a lock to me and then this mid-range is kind of iffy as well like Boyd Gage DJ Moore OBJ I don't think any of those guys are cash viable so if you play two of like Cup AB or Waddle I think for your third wide receiver spot you could look to pay down a little bit and this would definitely depend on COVID news but we have like Isaiah McKenzie at 4300 that would be interesting if some of the news breaks his way Josh Palmer is 3600 uh pretty cheap for a player that would be you know a full-time player if Mike Williams were to miss uh he could come back though due to the new protocol so definitely some news that we have to wait and see about for some of these cheaper wide receivers but some some of these guys would be in play yeah as far as the rest of the wide receiver pool I would say check in on the YouTube channel where we'll have the stream later this week and have a lot more clarity I mean it is worth noting that as of today Wednesday when we're recording Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis have have both been activated so McKenzie I think is is probably out of play at 4300 but yeah Yeah. um, bills at full strength which is is definitely interesting for tournaments at tight end this week for cash games i think we're just going to be paying down and none of the guys sub 4k really stand out to me over the others i I mean i think foster moreau probably 3800 in a really strong spot against the colts has been seeing a good amount of targets on a weekly basis double digit fantasy points in each of the last two games if we get 10 points out of foster moreau at 3800 i think we're happy with that cole Komet in a good matchup at 3,400 has been involved, but, you know, sort of dealing with Jimmy Graham vulturing him. He scored another red zone touchdown three over the last five. I don't know how you feel about that. I think just because of the threat of Jimmy Graham stealing touchdowns, my lean would be Foster Moreau in cash. Yeah, I mean, Moreau will definitely project a little bit better, and he's, what, 400 more? Or, yeah, he's 400 more, so not that much, and Darren Waller will probably miss Again, I'm assuming, you know, they are optimistic that they'll get Waller back for practice. I think the Raiders are like pretty much out of it at this point. So I don't think Waller really needs to come back 
And Foster Moreau has shown that, you know, he's capable of scoring like 10 plus points. So he'd be a fine pick. You know, I'd prefer to just save the salary. So I'd be fine going to Cole Komet. He's going to get targets. He's going to get you like eight to 10 points. I I think I would take that over paying the extra 400 for a player who's just not going to separate that much from Komet. And then I think if you're looking a little bit lower, like RSJ or John Bates is interesting I think if I'm picking one, it would be John Bates and just take the full salary. Uh, he's 2,900. Had three targets last week. Uh, they're pretty much like a, a 50-50 split between the two now, which is unfortunate, but I think he's okay. Um, I, I would probably still prefer Komet to Moreau and uh, the Washington tight ends. Yeah, I, I personally don't trust the Washington guys. It's not like it was early in the season where, you know, whoever the guy was was playing 100% of snaps. We saw, you know, RSJ play like 45 and, and Bates play 75 last week, which is, it's just not what you want out of these guys, especially on an offense that has a lot of potential to score few points. I think, you know, if I'm not playing Komet, I think I would rather pay up a little bit rather than pay down. I think that Higby's interesting in a good spot against the Ravens who have gotten beaten up by tight ends all year. And then, you know, Hunter Henry at 4,200. I know he's coming off of a pretty bad game where he only had one reception on six targets, but averaging six targets over the last two, Patriots have the third highest implied team total on the slate. And Henry has, you know, been the lead dog in that pass uh, in that pass catching core for multiple weeks at at a time throughout the season. Yeah, I I think Hunter Henry is a pretty you know, good GPP play. I don't think he's going to have much ownership this week. And, you know, the Patriots are, are are pretty down bad right now. You know, they gave up the AFC easily. They'll probably be a wild card team. Should win this game pretty convincingly. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, rhetoric behind the Patriots organization right now saying that, you know, they need to get these tight ends more involved. It was specifically, you know, about Johnny Smith. Josh McDaniels came out and said, like, we got to get him the ball. And, you know, that's on me. We haven't been using him properly. And there's also been some rhetoric about how the Patriots have to come out and have, you know, a fast start, have to have, you know, just a good solid game. And I think we could see Mac Jones, you know, throw a little bit against this Jags defense, get him some confidence before the playoffs and, and get these pass catchers the ball. So Hunter Henry looks very good at 40. 200 this week. Yep, definitely like him for tournaments. And speaking of tournaments, let's talk leverage stacks and long shots. There's a lot of spots for leverage, in my opinion, on this slate. I briefly referenced it, but the spot that I'm most interested in is just getting outside of the heavily owned running backs because out of all the guys we mentioned, there are still some names that I think set up really well. We are still waiting to figure out if CEH is going to play, but Daryl Williams is only 5,800, could be the lead dog here in KC facing a Cincinnati Bengals team that just bleeds catches to opposing running backs. And we know that unlike with CEH, the Chiefs are actually willing to throw the ball to Daryl. So he's interesting to me at 5,800 in a great game environment. Devin Singletary at home against the Falcons priced at 5,400 highest team total on the slate favored by 14 and a half points has really assumed the lead role in Buffalo. Buffalo is trying to establish the run 
more than they have at any point. And Singletary's involved as a pass catcher as well. I mean, both of these guys, I think, are going to come with very little ownership and make for some good price point pivots off of the running backs that are going to be highly chalky this week. Yeah, I don't mind Singletary or Daryl. I think that both of them have pretty low ceilings. So in GPPs, I don't know if I personally will play them. Probably not, to be honest. Devin Singletary, I mean, I just don't see a 20-point game in his range of outcomes. Like, he's not going to give you over 100 yards on the ground. You know, we have the Bills pass catchers at full strength, like you mentioned. Uh, We have the threat of Josh Allen vulturing rushing touchdowns and attempts. So, I I think he's okay. Like, it's, it's a good spot. And it is a good, like, leverage pivot off of, you know, Sony Michelle and Ronald Jones or, or whatever. But I just can't see myself going there personally. Darrell Williams, eh. I, I, I just kind of don't want to play these guys with low ceilings. And I think both of them fall in that category for me personally. But I do agree that the way to get leverage on these chalky running backs is to just play the guys right near them, you know, at the same price points. You know, Ronald Jones, 6,300. You got Javante in a smash spot at 6,400. You have David Montgomery, 6,500. Damian Harris, 6,600, priced up a little bit. And then Gibson, Swift, uh, Rashad Penny, if Penny comes in a little bit lower on than those guys. And then the Niners running backs too, I think are all great plays. If Eli Mitchell's back, I think Eli Mitchell would be an elite tournament option at 6K off of Trey Lance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that if Mitchell is out, I would expect Jeff Wilson Jr. to catch some traction and become fairly popular. But I I don't know that Mitchell would be quite as popular as Wilson were if he if he were to come back. And that would probably be the scenario we wanted as max leverage off of Trey Lance. So, I mean, we'll just have to see how that situation plays off. And you could say the same thing about price point pivots at the wide receiver position, you know. If Jalen Waddell and Antonio Brown are commanding all the ownership in that 6K range, you know, why not look to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf priced right in between them as leverage plays, um, you know, dual leverage off of the wide receivers and Rashad Penny, who's going to have ownership. Jalen Waddell, 6,700, is sandwiched in between T. Higgins, who's coming off of a 40 bomb Amari Cooper, who we know has a massive ceiling and a great matchup against the Cardinals. Like there are a lot of ways you can go even at the top. Same thing. Cooper cup is going to be massively owned and you can save salary going down to Debo Tyreek Diggs. Like there are a lot of spots. I think you can get different. This is shaping up to be a really, really good tournament week. I think. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good tournament week. I think it's one of the easiest cash game weeks of the entire season. Personally. Absolutely. Um, So a lot of pivots, a lot of great tournament plays, like you mentioned, Cooper, you know, T Higgins, the Joe Burrow double, as we saw last week, has an incredibly high ceiling. And this is one of the best game environments on the slate. I probably won't play it just because I think Casey's defense is actually pretty tough and and they've been playing really well over the last, you know, month to six weeks. So I don't know if I would go there, but you're going to get a lot of these wide receivers at lower ownership, especially I think the Cowboys receivers might come in as some of the best tournament plays on the board in in this premier game on the slate. Yeah, I I wonder about that. I wonder about that because I don't think that they're going to project amazingly, but at the same time, this is the game with the highest total. You have to think that people are going to want to stack a game involving Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott, and that could just carry those guys along with them. True, and this could be a spot where 
you know, if the ownership gets steamed on these guys, I think it would be more leverage to fade the game rather than yes find pivots in the game. Because we've seen, especially this season, that games involving, you know, two pretty good offenses, but also have pretty good defenses. We've seen them be lower scoring, right? Cowboys Chiefs, which everybody was on that week, and Cowboys Chargers are some prime examples this season. And the Cowboys defense has been playing really, really well over the last month of the season. Granted, they have faced some bad quarterbacks and some bad teams, but they're firing on all cylinders. And the Cardinals defense has been tough all year. So I would be interested in playing, you know, Christian Kirk, Edmonds, James Conner, and the Cowboys wide receivers, Cooper, Lamb, Gallup, if the ownership doesn't get too out of control. But if C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper are projecting to be like a top three receiver in terms of ownership, or both of them are projected to be like top five, then I'll probably find a fade and hope that game fails because we've seen it plenty of times this year. Yeah. And I mean, transitioning to stacks, some of my favorite stacks are like outside of those games. I think a lot of people are going to go to that Dallas Arizona game. You know, they want the two high powered offenses. I think a lot of people are going to go to the Chiefs Bengals game. They want those two high powered offenses, but it's very possible that the highest scoring players are going to come in blowouts, especially from these teams that will relentlessly pass the ball even when they're ahead. So we've said it a million times this year. You know, you stack the Bucks going up against the Jets. You, I mean, you said it earlier in the show. They could drop 45 on the Jets. So I love Brady stacks this week. I love stacking the Rams as always. Phenomenal bounce back spot for Stafford after a shaky game last week going up against this beat up Baltimore secondary, a team that looks to get Lamar Jackson back as well. So there's a ton of shootout potential there. Josh Allen could easily, you know, be the highest scoring quarterback on the slate against the Falcons, you know, at home, love that spot for them. And and I don't think that any of the Bills pass catchers are going to come with a ton of ownership because everybody's healthy. Nobody knows where to go. So you can easily find some contrarian doubles there. You stack the Bills, you stack the Bucks, you stack the Rams and you sail to the money. It's worked all year long. I don't see week 17 being any different. Yeah, I agree. Stafford doubles look really juicy. Tom Brady doubles look really juicy. You know, in, in those double stacks, only one of your players are, are going to be very high owned. Yep. You know, t- AB with Tom Brady or Cup with Stafford. And then Van Jefferson, OBJ, you know, Tyler Higby, if you want to go there and knock out the tight end spot, is always great with Stafford. Uh, it's a great spot. And then, you know, if they get Lamar back, this honestly, in my opinion, should be the highest total game on the slate. Oh, yeah. I, I think it would be the premier game uh, over Cowboys Cardinals, to me at least. And I, I would be more interested in, in stacking up. In, in stacking up this game if Lamar is back. Uh, but even if Lamar isn't back, I think Tyler Huntley would be good to go in this spot. And even with Tyler Huntley at quarterback, the Ravens players have been producing some big fantasy days, you know, specifically Mark Andrews, who is now the highest priced tight end on the slate over Travis Kelsey, which is interesting. But if Lamar's back, you know, Hollywood Brown is 5,900. Mark Andrews is 7,400, as I just said. And the Rams guys are are pretty cheap as well besides Cup, OBJ 5700, Van Jefferson 5300. All of those guys have pretty good ceilings. So, definitely like the Rams stack this week. Play them every week. Brady doubles with Tyler Johnson, AB Gronk look very enticing leverage off of Rono Jones there. And yeah. Yeah, I was kind of bummed that Gronk's price didn't drop from 6200 after a second consecutive bad game, but But I will say probably the quarterback who's going to project well, and honestly, maybe he's 
a top three on quarterback, but Jalen Hurts is sixty six hundred. Oh, I don't. I don't think anybody's gonna play Hurts. I I think he's gonna be a little owned. Like if we didn't have Trey Lance available, Jalen Hurts would be the chalk. Correct. So I think people are still gonna be on Hurts, but sixty six hundred. He's cheaper than all these quarterbacks, and you know he just put up twenty nine points against Washington two weeks ago, and Washington just got obliterated by Dallas. The Eagles are still fighting for a playoff spot. Miles Sanders confirmed out. Jordan Howard hurt. So they might be down to Boston Scott as their RB1, which I think would be kind of interesting to, you know, play Scott at 4,900. But if not, you know, you could get Hurts, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, all at low ownership. And and uh, we've seen big games out of Smith and Goddard. I probably would only single stack it just because Jalen Hurts is going to run the ball a fuck ton. But at 6,600, he's going to project as one of the best quarterback plays on the board. And, you know, you, you don't think he's going to be too owned. I think he will come with a little bit, but not as much as he would have been had we not got Trey Lance. So I, I think there's some leverage to be had there. Yeah, no, I I can see that. And definitely none of his pass catchers are going to come with ownership. So definitely a, a strong play for tournaments. In terms of a favorite long shot, my guy this week is none other than DeAndre Swift. He's 6K. Historically, on this podcast, we have made money fading concern of players coming back off of injury. Seattle has gotten obliterated all year by the run. DeAndre Swift could easily come back and catch, you know, six, seven, eight, nine balls in this spot. I think the upside is high for DeAndre Swift. I think the ownership is going to be low. He's probably going to be like you know, outside of the top 10 in terms of ownership at running back, he could be sub 5%. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I mean, the fact of the matter is regardless of, you know, what fans think, what, what anybody thinks, all that matters with DeAndre Swift is what Dan Campbell thinks. They love DeAndre Swift. They are not shutting him down despite having two wins. You know, he's been injured since week 12. You know, some, some people might think that the smart thing to do is just sit him for the rest of the year. I don't think that matters. Campbell's going to play him. They're still playing to win. Um, Swift is going to come back. He's in a great matchup, cheap price tag, high ceiling low ownership everything sets up well for deandre swift as a one-off at 6k okay i i i like that um then you could you could play like penny as a, as a bring back or, or something like that lock it uh, something like that i, I yeah. like all that don't mind that at all i think my favorite long shot or i guess tournament play i don't know how long of a shot this is going to be but just going back to van jefferson this week 5300 i don't think he's gonna have much ownership i think the ceiling is is pretty high with van and he pairs well with stafford as well so give me van jefferson 5300 i think he's gonna score 20 plus points this week for you it's a great spot for van and the rams pass catchers and I, I think Stafford goes over 300 yards and three touchdowns in this spot. So give me the Rams stack as my favorite stack and give me Van Jefferson as my favorite long shot of the week. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, let's close things out with our best bets of the week. Joey, what do you got for the people? So this week I will give out a spread that I like. My favorite spread for week 17 God, almost done with the season. Give me the Chargers minus six and a half at home against Denver. I think the Chargers are going to come out 
I think they are going to score a lot of points. They have to win out to get into the playoffs. And coming off of a horrific loss to the Houston Texans, this is setting up as a pretty great bounce back spot for the Chargers. They're getting some players back, probably Mike Williams, uh, and then some of the, some of uh, their better defensive players. Uh, they were missing like four of the best players on their entire roster last week against the Texans. They should get all of those guys back from COVID. So it's a pretty iffy spread, but I, I think the Chargers win by more than a touchdown against Drew Locke. So give me the Chargers minus six and a half, and then I will take I will take the Cardinals plus five and a half mm. against the Cowboys. I just think it's going to be a close game, and I, and I think five and a half is a, is a lot of points for one of the better teams in the NFL. Although I I do think the Cardinals are just stone frauds, and I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders at all um five and a half is a lot for a team that you know is 10 and 5 and and 7 and 1 on the road like for whatever reason the Cardinals play better on the road than they do at home I don't know why but five and a half too many points yeah all right I mean I like both of those especially the Chargers bet um you know ultimately you're betting Herbert to beat Drew Locke by a touchdown. That sounds pretty good to me. I like that. The two bets that I have, I mean, we've referenced one a couple of times. I like the over in the Rams-Ravens game. It is currently sitting at 46 and a half. That is just not, it's just not high enough. I'm sorry. It's not for a Lamar Jackson-Matt Stafford showdown. Two teams making a playoff push. Two of the better quarterbacks in the league. Just doesn't feel like that line is pricing in the return of Lamar Jackson, who was limited Wednesday, which to me points to a return this week. And even if Huntley plays, I think that's still pretty live. So I like that at 46 and a half. I think that it rises if we get more positive Lamar Jackson news. So I'm betting that now early in the week. And then the other one that I like this week, it is a massive spread, but I am going to take the Bills minus 14 and a half. And the way I'm looking at this dude is like, the Falcons might not score a point in this game. So do I think the Bills can score 17 points? Absolutely. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if this was the third shutout of the year for the Bills. The Falcons are a lifeless offense. They're going to be traveling on the road into the conditions in Buffalo. They don't stand a chance um yeah i i don't know the bills have held teams to under 10 points four times this year i think it's going to be a fifth time coming in week 17 buffalo minus 14 and a half stone log okay i i, I like both of those bets for sure all right that is going to be it for episode 192 of the dfs dose podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at the dfs dose as well as our personal twitters i'm at ben hover joey's at joey carrying dfs for more week 17 nfl dfs content you can check out our youtube channel at the dfs dose where we post multiple videos per week we'll be back on saturday with a live stream to revisit the slate and give our updated thoughts as the week develops to everybody listening out there we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic